Amen. So let's pray over the word. Father, we are so grateful and we are so thankful to you. Our earnest desire, Father, is to please you and delight your heart. Father, I ask for a maturing in this house. I ask for a growing up in us and upon us. Father, we want to be everything you want us to be. We want to fulfill everything you've called us to. We want to look like everything you want us to appear as. Father, most of all, our heart is to satisfy you that you look on us with great delight. So, Father, we give you praise and thanks that in this house today, you are speaking to us. You are directing us, leading us, and guiding us. That no place of the enemy is permitted in this house. That there'll be no distraction, no interference, and no interruption. For we turn to you as our Father and say, have your way in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to begin with some scriptures that Pastor Jerry shared last week. And the first one is in Psalms 34, verse number eight. And it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He wants, he wants people to taste and see he's good. He's good. He is good. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the earth that have never tasted God's good and they've never seen that God is good. But yet his heart is for everybody to taste and see he's good all the time. He's good all the time. And it's his earnest desire for people to know him as the Lord that is good. Amen. Another scripture pastor used last week is in James chapter one is verse 16 and 17. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or no shadow of turning every good gift meaning every pleasant, agreeable, that which causes joy, that which is excellent, that which is useful, and every perfect gift, that gift that would complete you, make, cause you to want nothing, that you'd be without anything else necessary, um, a gift of maturity. These things all come down from God, from the Father of lights. And there is in him no variation or shadow of turning, meaning this, if God is there, it doesn't matter if he's facing you or facing a different direction. It's still good all the way around him. It's always good. There is no darkness, no darkness that can cast a shadow that will keep God's goodness away from any of us. Amen. He is always good. So God doesn't turn his back and the blessings escape you. Hallelujah. And and we start thinking about this in Exodus 33, when Moses was wanting God's presence to go with the children of Israel. And he says, he was so earnest. He said, just show me you, show me your glory. Let me see it. Let me see what it is about you. Let me see your personality. Let me see your character. I want to see you, God. And the Lord responded and said, okay, well, because of what's happened in the earth, you can't see me and live, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in a, in a cleft of a rock and I'm going to put my hand over it and then I'm going to pass by And then when I pass by, I'll take my hand off and you can see the backside of me, but you can't see my face because my face is when the, where the, the power and the manifestation of everything I am, everything I can say, everything I can do emanates out of my face. And so I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to walk by and you'll see the backside. But interestingly enough, the Lord said, And I'll show you my goodness. 
my goodness. And you think about that, that the goodness of the Lord was so powerful at that moment that in the condition that the earth was in and Moses' relationship with the Lord, that he saw the fullness of the goodness of God, it would kill him. Now that's some goodness. That's some goodness. That it, would, it was able to take them out if they'd seen it face to face. Hallelujah. Say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Changed that condition, right? All right. So, and then when he passes by, when he passes by, he reveals things about his nature because he said, and as I pass by, then I'm going to give my name. And this is what he said. Here's what his name or his attributes were. He said, I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm long suffering. I'm abounding in goodness and truth. I keep mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And I am just. That's the things that when God passed by, when Moses asked to really see God, that's the things that, that God declared about himself. Think about it. He said, I am merciful. I am gracious. I'm long-suffering. I abound in goodness. I abound in truth. I keep mercy. I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. And I am just. This is, this is the culmination, if I could say it that way, of the personality of God. You know, your personality might, might be, I talk a lot. Or your personality might be, I, um, I sigh a lot. Or I, you know, I do this a lot. Or I do this or this. When we want to see God, this is the character he wants us to see about himself. Amen? Hallelujah. So. One of the questions that has come often is if God is so good, if God is so wonderful, if God is so merciful, if God is so great, how come we've got all this horrible stuff going on? How come we've got all this junk, all this stuff going on? Why do we have all of this going on? Why do we have people dying like they are? Why do we have people starving like they are? Why do we have sickness going on? Why do we have corruption going on? Why do we have all this going on if God is so good? That's a question that's often given to us. If God is so good, if he is merciful and long-suffering and gracious and kind and forbearing and all these good things, why do we have all this stuff going on that is contrary to mercy and long-suffering and the grace of God? Why do we have all this going on? So today we're going to look at the why. So if you would, open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 3. Not Genesis chapter 1. You can be grateful we're not starting. We've got two chapters already under our belt today. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, uh, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So we start out with this conversation here in chapter three between the serpent and Eve. It starts out there. And the serpent 
is persuading Eve to think a thought. He's persuading Eve, and the word tells us later on in the new covenant that the Eve was deceived. So that tells us that the serpent convinced Eve as truth a falsehood. He convinced her that a falsehood was true. He convinced her of something. He deceived her. He led her and misled her by inspiration of a thought. By inspiration of a thought. He he maneuvered into her mind and got her to think something that wasn't completely accurate. He got in there and persuaded her to think a way that was going to cause her to respond a way that was not completely accurate. Is that right? The the serpent had a part in this is what I'm saying. The serpent had a part in this. The enemy had a part in this of convincing Eve of something. He had a part. He had he had the inspiration. Okay? So if he had the inspiration, it had to be that what he was trying to convince Eve of was not just to take out Eve, but he wanted to inspire her to partake and do something that would have worldwide effect. Worldwide effect. And then it said, so Eve bows because she's deceived. She's persuaded. She's convinced of something that's not completely accurate. And it says, then she turns to her husband with her and gives him something to eat. And he ate. Now the word in the new covenant said, he sinned. He sinned. Eve was was deceived. She was tricked into it, but Adam just sinned, okay? In fact, Romans 5, 12, you can put that on the board. It says that even as, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So what that scripture is telling us is this. Sin found an entrance into the world by Adam. If you go to read the rest of Romans 5, it's greatly refreshing, okay? Because it tells us about how God has handled sin, all right? But yet I want us to see that through one man, we know that man to be Adam, sin entered the world. It entered, it came to be, it, it um, became, it wasn't here before, but it literally means to begin to come into. So sin now began to come into the world. It wasn't here before, but because of what Adam did, sin began to come into the world. And when sin came into the world, it brought with it death. And so that death, had worldwide effect. It affect all humanity for all times because of what happened in the garden. I heard a minister recently say, and that is why Adam in heaven has his own special security. I don't know if that's true or not, but all of us become a recipient of what Adam did for all time. Right? I don't think that's true. I don't think he needs it there. Let me clarify that. All right? But I want to ask you this. So sin came into the world through Adam, one man. But I want to ask you this. Did that change the fact that God was good? Did that change that fact that he was merciful and gracious and long-suffering? It didn't change it. What did it change, though? What it did change, though, was Adam's perception of God. Okay, let's go on here. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Hold it just a minute here. Up until this point, Adam and God had been chums. They had been buddies. Walking in the cool of the day, that literally means to have conversation with. They're walking around. They're enjoying each other's company. They're enjoying each other's fellowship. They're enjoying um, uh, communion with each other. They're enjoying this. Now, Adam has sinned, and God comes down to check on his buddy. Okay? And he's ready to go have communion with Adam. He's ready to hang out with Adam. He's ready to communicate with Adam. And Adam's not in Adam's usual spot. And he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam tells him, he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So what we have now is Adam recognizes that we were together before, we were, we were joined in communion before, but now something has changed in our relationship. And Adam recognizes that there is a difference between you, God, and me. But we have already clarified God didn't change. So what happened is his perception of God now is different. And the reflection that Adam used to see when he would look at God and would reflect on himself was a reflection of union. And now, because he sinned, when Adam looks at God, the reflection causes a division. Are you with me? He's seeing, he's seeing God is the same, but now when I look at you, I'm not one with you. Now I'm divided from you. Go back to Romans chapter 5. It says, through one man's sin entered into the world. So what we have to understand is this awareness of that division that Adam and God had in Adam's mind was something that would forever affect the people of the earth. It would forever affect. It would forever affect because the enemy planned a forever worldwide separation between God and man. A worldwide forever separation. And what happened then you know, if we go on and read, which I'm not going to for sake of time, we understand then there was all kinds of curse released. The curse was released. In fact, um, the, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, even creation itself groans under that curse. Okay, the curse was released. Why, why was Adam's sin so powerful? Why was it so powerful? If you look in Psalms 115 verse 6, it tells us why it was so powerful. Because when God created the earth, he gave the earth to the children of men. He gave it to us. He gave the earth to Adam. Remember, he said, you tend it, you keep it. It's been given unto you. The earth has been given to us, people. Heaven belongs to God. That's his real estate. Our real estate is the earth. This is our real estate to tend to and to take care of. Okay. Now, I, um, Adam hides from this because of that magnitude of the goodness. And Adam, he, he, what he does is he, hides, he tries to sneak away. How many of you know when God came into the garden, God already knew what Adam had done? He already knew what Adam had done. He already knew what had happened, but he was trying to find out, Adam, do you know what you've done? Okay. He already knew what Adam had done. All right. And so I think that the best way for me to tackle this, to understand this. Now, I want you to understand this day. 
this day, this message is about the church as a whole and humanity as a whole. Please do not hear that I personally am accountable for all of humanity. That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? Okay? We just understand that. However, it can be applied personally, but as I get through this, you'll understand why I'm saying that, okay? This is, this is coming out of um, what we're going to do to change this nation. Amen? All right. So the word sin, hallelujah. Do you have all those slides up there? The word sin is a Hebrew word in Hebrew, and it's made up of four Hebrew letters. And I think if we look at these individual letters, we'll get an understanding of exactly what the enemy intended to, about sin. See, and we start, got to start realizing this. The enemy is, doesn't, isn't about trying to get us to badly behave or behave badly. I failed English there, didn't I? He's not looking for us to behave badly. That's not what this is about. He's not just a concern about you behaving badly. And that sin is about your behavior. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. When he, when he pushed on Adam and Eve, it was not about, see, I'm going to get them to behave badly. That wasn't what it was about, was it? You know, how many of you have ever behaved badly? Okay, praise the Lord. We, okay, we repent of that. Get that all out of the way. That part's over, okay? We all get that. There isn't anybody in here that hasn't behaved badly. But what we have to understand is the crippling effect that the enemy intended for sin from way back in the garden. Okay? We're not magnifying how we behave, but we're not focusing on how we behave today. We're understanding what the definition and the intention of sin released in the earth was going to do. Are you with me on this? Okay. You know, and if you want to know when Pastor Jerry behaved badly, you can see me after the service since he raised <laughs> both hands, his leg. We, we always say that and our kids say, you don't have to. They tell it themselves. But anyway, so, all right. So the first, you know, of course, in the Hebrew language, you read from right to left, okay? So the first word in there, um, the first letter of the word sin means a wall. This is the first letter of the word sin. A wall, a divide, an outside. That's the first letter of the word sin. A wall, divide, an outside. The second letter is a surround to contain or mud. You know, surround, contain, or mud. The next letter means strong, power, leader. And the last one is to look, reveal, or breath. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's work on it. So the first word was wall, divide, or outside. Okay? So that makes me understand that a piece of what sin was, was to build a wall. Of course, I have my prop. Okay? So this word sin starts out with a wall. And so I start understanding now with this thought of it being a wall why Adam hid himself and how Adam hid himself. Adam was creating a place for himself out of protection, he thought. But what it was to do was to put a separation between himself and God. 
He wanted a, a, if I could say it this way, a barrier. I stack hay bales better than that. You gotta put the seams. <laughs> he wanted to put, he wanted to put a division. And so what he did is he understood that I'm going to need a hiding place because the goodness of God is so great. And what I have done has literally stripped me of the things I had in common with God that now I need a rescue. And this rescue is going to have to be something I do for myself on my own. Okay? So, because the first word is a wall, a divide, or outside. So, what we have here is we have the glory of God, the presence of God, the manifestation of God, but on the other side of this wall, we have that which is curse-filled. We have that which is curse-filled. And the wall is sin. The wall is sin. So here we've got God, comes down in the cool of the day, Adam, where are you? And Adam's over here hiding behind a wall because that's the first part of sin, is build a wall. Build a wall. Okay? Now we go to the next word, which means to surround. So now we understand this isn't just a wall in a place. This wall is going to surround or contain. It's going to hold the separation. It's going to hold the separation. Remember, this sin didn't change the goodness of God. God is still over here. With good. Okay? God is still emanating good. But Adam sinned, and that sin became a block on a wall to separate him from God, to shield him from God. But the only problem is, with that shielding from God, he's also shielded from... Okay? And it's going to surround him. Go on to the next word there. And it's, it's, it's a, a dividing and a containing from the strength and the power. A dividing from the strength and the power. And then we go on to look at the last part and it's to look, reveal, or breath. So let's look at these. Let's, let's combine some of these so we get an understanding of what sin is. Okay, do you, okay. it's a wall that surrounds you so you don't have a strong look. You don't have a strong look. You don't have a strength of grasping in God's countenance, God's face shining on you. This wall is made to keep you from looking at God. This wall is made to keep us from seeing God. Okay, now let's convert this to the nation. Let's convert it to the nation. Okay, there is sin in our nation as a move by the enemy to keep people from seeing God. Can you see that? You can see that. The enemy does not want people seeing God. We don't care about your bad behavior right now. We're thinking about a nation. Okay. Okay. So we have this wall surrounding to be able that they don't see that they can't see God, okay? Which he's the one that's strong. Go to the next slide there. It means to divide and contain from the power that's to be revealed. That's what it's about. To divide and contain the power that is to be revealed. There's a power to be revealed in this nation. But what sin wants to do is to divide because the power is out here. The blessing is out here. 
The curse is over here. The weakness is over here. And what we want is we want to get that to be able to radiate through that and get to these people. Does that make sense? Okay. The next one, then the last one. So we have, we're outside by mud, the leader that could breathe on us. See, the whole point of sin is just to separate you from God that you don't see God, you don't feel God, you don't know God, you can't operate with God, God's not in your life, God's not working, because all of this is curse. All of this is curse, and all of this is blessing and goodness. And the enemy is not concerned about your behavior. He wants to build a wall. He wants to build a wall. He wants to make sure that the breath of God doesn't reach the people that are living under the curse. He wants to make sure that the people that are in on this side of the wall, outside of the blessing of God, outside of the goodness of God, never get touched by this blessing and get changed. Hallelujah. And we know it affects people today the same way that it affected Adam. There's more people avoid a personal prayer life because they don't want to see who they are than there is people that uh, don't want to see who God is. People are hungry to see God. What they don't want to see is who they are in relationship to God. Don't want to see that I've sinned or I've made a mistake or I've done wrong. Don't think church, think nation, think nationally, think internationally, okay? And then they, they come up with phrases. Don't judge me. Tolerate this. You don't love. That's not what any of this is about. What this is about is this enormous radiation of goodness God wants to get on humanity. That's what this is about. The enormous level of God's goodness he has for every person on the planet, every individual. See, we have to understand this. This building a wall is not a problem for God. God doesn't have trouble with sin. He took care of that at the cross of Jesus Christ. He, didn't, he, he doesn't have any problem with sin. The issue is people consistently wanting the wall. And over here, the word even tells us, this will be pleasant for a while. There's pleasure here for a while. But sooner or later, you're going to hit a place in your road where this wall is more of a problem than a blessing. Sooner or later, that wall is going to be more of a problem than a blessing. Okay? So if the situation is that what sin does or the intention of intention of the enemy, remember, this all started out with an inspiration to Eve. It all started out with her being inspired. Are you doing okay? I'm just checking. Hallelujah. So this all started out with an inspiration from the devil. Let's get this clear. It all started out with an inspiration from the enemy. It all started out as demonic. It all started out from the pit of hell. This idea, how to separate God from people. This was his idea, okay? All right. So now, everybody in your head, stop calculating what I've done and did this in my life. We're thinking nationally and internationally, right? But what we've got to do is um, understand this. The reason sin is so dangerous, and we need to understand that sin is not even a matter of the enemy's presence. Sin's not a matter of the enemy's presence. Sin is a matter of the absence of God's presence. Sin is not a matter of the enemy is here. 
The enemy is places. But what sin is, it's an absence for God's presence. An absence from God's presence. Okay? How many of you in heaven are planning on sinning? No, why? Because there'll be no need. Why will there be no need to find pleasure and joy and fulfillment in heaven? Nobody will need it. Why? Because all your needs of your heart, all the desires of your life are going to be filled up by the presence of God. We fully expect that, right? Everything we could want, dream, desire, it's all going to be handled in the presence of God. So it can now. So it can now. It's amazing how, how we live in a world that A, we can't talk about sin, and B, uh, people aren't even aware of what is sin. What do you mean, what's sin? Well, I call it sin when we're murdering babies inside a mama's womb. I call a lot of things sin. There's sin all over. And what we have to understand is it's because it's the reoccurring building of a wall to divide from God. Amen? All right. So what is sin? Let's look at a couple things. Now, I'll, I'll go through these really quickly so it's not too painful. Okay? Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, and it says this, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Would you like to paraphrase? Doing the wrong thing is, is sin. Doing the wrong thing is sin, okay? Then go over to the James uh, 4 one. James 4, 17, it says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So doing wrong is sin, but not doing the right thing is also sin. Doing the wrong thing is sin, but not doing the right thing is also sin. So what we have here is the fact that idleness can be just as much as a sin as a corrupt action. Idleness can be as much a sin as a corrupt action or behavior. Should I say it again? Idleness can be just as much a sin as corrupt action or behavior. Hallelujah. The intention was get the divide. Get the divide. So all it had to happen for the divide to come into being is a church to not do what it should have been doing. Or doing what they knew they shouldn't have done. Okay? And then we have a divide. We have a separation. Thanks, Adam. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God intends to always breathe on us that, that his goodness comes out. His goodness is known. His goodness, you know. And, and the enemy is always looking for a way to build a barrier not only in a nation, not only in a church, not only in your personal life, but for all of humanity. See, he just wants access to build that wall. He just wants access to build that wall. You know, and we cannot, we have to start losing this religious Pharisee attitude that we're sin analyzers. We're not sin analyzers. The word of God even warns you, don't judge another. You're not that. But what we have to do is we have to be barrier breakers. We have to be barrier breakers, okay? And what we must understand is that in order for us to live in a curse-filled world, the only hope we've got is if the breath of God can make it over the barrier or through the barrier or around the barrier because the life without God is completely cursed. Amen? All right, so let's go over to 1 John chapter 1. 
Are you, are you enduring? Are you go, okay? Hallelujah. First John one, chapter five. Uh, no, verse five, I'm sorry, of chapter one. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. All right? Goes on to say, if we say we fellowship with him, but yet we're walking in the darkness and we're not practicing the truth, Okay, if we walk in the darkness, we lie and we're not practicing the truth. So what he's saying is you can't walk around over here as a nation and say, yeah, we've got God's blessing. You can't conduct life over here and say, yeah, I've got God's blessing. It says you're lying and you're not practicing the right things. You're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, look at this. We have fellowship with one another. It affects our relationship with each other. And it says the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. So that my understanding is this. It's on this side where the cleansing power works, not on the hiding side, not on the side of that, okay? All right, and what happens is there's information written on the wall. Let me just say that. There's information written on the wall. On this side, because of Jesus' atonement, we see that the Spirit of the Lord looks on us through the blood and covers that sin, removes that sin, and he sees mercy. He sees love. He sees goodness. He sees kindness. He sees long suffering. And over here on this side, we see guilt, condemnation, inferiority, fear, failing, and all those things. And the enemy wants us to see it that way. He wants us to see it. He wants us to see that this wall is a way to keep you down. Hallelujah. All right. So what we have to look at here, it says we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I think we already handled that today, right? All right. If we confess our sins, If we confess our sins, confess doesn't mean you got to come to a preacher and tell him what you've done. It just means you got to acknowledge this. I've done this. I haven't done this. I have done this. I haven't done this. But look at what it says then. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Remember, that was things he showed Moses way back. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is what happens. You sinned. You begin to build a wall, okay? You become aware. I've done something. I've messed up something. So you just do this. Lord, I'm creating a wedge between you and me. I'm creating a separation between you and me. And I don't want that. Can you help me? And you're stuck right there. And he says, the spirit of the Lord says, sure, I forgive you and I cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Access achieved. Access achieved again. Access achieved. Access achieved. Access achieved. achieved. Once again, to the life 
the light and the glory of God, the breath of God, the wall is eliminated, the separation is gone, the division is passed, the containing and the mud is all removed. All we have to do is acknowledge it and let the Lord know, I don't want to be separated from you ever again. Break that wall that separates you and me. And that's how easy it is to let him demolish that thing. But what happens is this is, this is, this is a mess. This is what this is. But what happens is we get over here thinking, okay, Lord, let me fix that. Okay. I won't ever do it again. I won't ever do it again. Or we get to, okay, I'm going to go do this and make it right, right? Hopefully that won't. See, we're trying to do this, but the problem is then we end up with all of our building blocks and we're packing them around. All of our building blocks and we're packing it around. You have to understand, you need the power of God to break you free from sin. You don't have enough self-will to take down this wall. You don't have a, enough natural wisdom to break down this wall. Well, you need the anointing of God to break down that wall. We need the anointing of God to get the nation back to the place where they are responding, listening, and hearing from heaven. Amen? We need to understand that it's only by might and power of the Spirit, not ours. You can take that personally, but I want you to look at it as a nation today. That we have to understand that people in the earth have built walls of division. I, I've seen some horrendous things in the news and I don't even watch the news, of people not even knowing. I watched a woman take a pill on national television to abort a baby that she was pregnant with, okay? How do people do this kind of stuff? There's a wall where the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not shining on them. Hallelujah. So it's going to take a people that acknowledge we have fallen short, we have sinned, we have not done right, so that the opportunity of the Lord is there to break that apart, to break that thing down. If you go over to Second Chronicles chapter 7, hallelujah, verse 14, that's one of the, there, the enders, there you go. Look at this. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Heal their land. We need to understand the only hope we've got is to get the goodness of God moved into society. The only hope we've got to get the glory of the Lord moved on the people of this land. The hope we've got is for people to become aware of sin and stop doing it. But they're not going to be able to stop the sin until there's a people living and abiding in the light that can demonstrate what sin living, free from sin living looks like. Hallelujah. You are the catalyst. You are the one that can change it. There is nobody in here that I need to personally address your sin. You already know it. And you know, the thing of it is, is I can't decide what's sin for you. I only know what's sin for me because it's, it's idleness as well. You have no idea how much I've sinned and not doing what God's asked me to do. And the same way for you. Right? So it's not about being judge and judgmental or sin analyzers. It's that we understand that if we are doing the wrong thing or not doing the right thing, we're helping to build a wall of separation between us and God. And that wall must come down. It has to come down. Hallelujah. This is the thing the Spirit of the Lord gave me um, several weeks ago. And, um, you know, through church history, the churches preach different things. We preach, you know, there's the word movement, there's the signs and wonders, there's the healing revivals, there's all different kinds of revivals. And then we were on the love of God. 
We've ministered the love of God many, many times. And the Spirit of the Lord addressed me, and he said this, revelation of the love of God does not reduce the danger of sin. A revelation of the love of God does not reduce the danger of sin because sin's intention, remember, this was demonic intention. Build a wall, separate them from God. Build a wall, separate them from God. And we have to understand that if we lose sight of the gravity of sin and what it does, we also never fully grasp the enormity of what Jesus has done. Because he did this elimination. And he never sinned. That's why he always did what he heard, did what he saw the Father do. There was never a wall. So a God man in the earth fully pleased the Father by never having a wall built. So next time, I'm going to just say this. All it takes is the acknowledging of sin and asking for help. That's all it takes. And understand this. When you do that, an empowerment comes to you that you never had in yourself. An empowerment comes to you that you never had in yourself. But it's God's passion and God's desire that our nation be without walls keeping him out. Be without walls. Be without walls. We're not going to be a nation of walls. Okay? We're going to be a people without walls. We have full access to the Father because of what Jesus did. Okay? We have full access because it's through Jesus that the right to tear down that wall became God's. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something today? I hope you don't feel bruised and beat up because that was not my intention. So praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.